guys have your Bible, please open it up to the book of Romans, uh, chapter 5. We're going to be looking at the first five verses this morning of Romans chapter 5, and we'll go ahead and jump in and read verse 1. It says this, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we exalt in hope of the glory of God. The Apostle Paul starts this verse and very beginning of verse 1 where he says, Therefore, having been justified by faith. As we know, if you've been with us on Wednesday nights and on Sunday mornings, we've been going verse by verse through the book of Romans. And the Apostle Paul has really spent the last few chapters exploring and diving into the beautiful doctrine of justification by faith. And so now he begins to move and to change spectrums a little bit, explaining the blessings that we have because of this beautiful doctrine. It is beautiful because our justification has nothing to do with us, but has everything to do with God. Imputed righteousness, justification, these beautiful things are because of the finished work of the cross. Justified, it just simply means that God looks down from heaven upon each and every single one of us just as if I had never sinned. That's why it's so beautiful because we all fall short of the glory of God as we read in Romans chapter 3. We fall short, we miss the mark, we sin, sin separates us from God. But because of the cross, he looks at me as he looks at the Son just as I've never sinned, and he imputes his righteousness upon me. So it's beautiful. But now we move forward into this Sunday morning message that I've entitled, it's the benefits, the blessings that come from the justification. It would have been enough. We would have been overwhelmed in singing our praises and our love, our adoration to God forever, just in our salvation. Just as if he saved us and redeemed us and we got to spend eternity with him. And we look forward to that. We long to that. But God loves us so much. He doesn't just leave us where we're at. There's a sanctification process that takes place where we get closer to him every single day. We become more like him until we see him. But there's blessings and benefits that come through this glorious doctrine of justification by faith. The first blessing we see is right here in verse 1. And it is that we have peace with God. If you're taking note, that's the first point. The first blessing, the first benefit of justification by faith is that we have peace with God. What an absolute blessing it is to know that the enmity that we had with God, the strife that we had with God, the separation that we had from God is done and that we can have peace with God. This is the first blessing that we're going to look at this morning, that we are at peace with God. Now, this blessing of having peace with God, it's a little different than the peace from God, right? There's the peace from God and there's peace with God. Here we're talking about the peace with God. The peace from God is that supernatural peace that we have in the midst of trials and tribulations that the whole world can be chaotic around us. We could be literally be going through a storm, but we have the peace from God upon us. It's supernatural. James actually, um, I'm sorry, the Apostle Paul actually wrote to the church in Philippi about this. He said, describing the peace from God, it surpasses our understanding and it guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Peace from God is amazing. And that's not what we're talking about here, but we're talking about the peace with God. 
And this means that the war with God is over. That no, we're, longer, we're no longer fighting because of sin. We're no longer battling with God. That the war is done. And we can have peace with God. Justification by faith, it, it means literally like the old time war. You know, you would wave the, the white flag and that would be a sign of surrender. Then there would be a peace treaty. And that's what justification by faith is. When we come to the place where we're willing to say, I'm done running. I'm done fighting. I'm done striving and doing things my way. God, I want to begin to do things your way. And that's when the peace of, with God happens. We're no longer at war. We're no longer fighting. We're no longer battling. We're no longer running. It gets tiring. It gets exhausting. And so when we submit our lives to the Lord, the first blessing that we see right here is we are at peace with God. And that's a blessing, guys, a blessing that we shouldn't overlook, that we should just be thanking God and praising God for every single day. In the physical sense, in the practical, relational sense that we have with our friends, our siblings, our family, we all know what it's like to be at odds with someone, to be, have strife or even to be at war with someone. We know what that feels like. We know how that weighs on our souls, how heavy it is upon our hearts. And that's just in the physical sense. It literally consumes our minds. And our hearts grow hard towards these people. Um, you're always wondering if, if, if you're going to run into them, if you're going to see them, you try to avoid them. When you're at odds or at war with somebody, it literally changes the way that you live. Holidays come around, birthday parties come around, and all of a sudden maybe you get invited. And what makes these relationships really, really difficult is when they're family, right? And, you know, they invite you over for Christmas, and the first question that you ask is not what can I bring it's who's going to be there. Is he going to be there? You know he. I'm not saying a name. I haven't said it for 26 years. Okay. That's the first, that's the first thing we ask. And it's such a weight upon us. And it grows our heart hard. And so we know what it's like in the physical sense. But what a blessing. If you've worked through that type of relationship and you've, you know, worked through the warring, the odds, the strife that has caused that pain in your life and you're able to reconcile and have peace with that person and you're able to have a good, sweet fellowship, relationship with that person again, you're not, all you're thinking about is all the time that was wasted and how you just want to have a great relationship. It's such peace to our hearts and a weight off our shoulders. And that's just in a physical sense. Being at peace with people, how much more of a blessing it is to be at peace with God. So not only know that no longer are we not only at war with him, which is great. We don't want to war against God. We don't want to fight against God. So it's a blessing to know that, hey, no longer are we not only at war with him, but we are at peace with him. And now our focus is only developing that relationship, fostering that relationship, getting to know him more. No longer worrying about the strife or the battles. No longer wondering, does God love me? Will God accept me? Is God pleased with me? These are things that when we weren't at peace with God, these are things that we would contemplate and that would constantly consume our mind. I'd never have to wonder again, does God love me? He demonstrated that love for me. And when I was a sinner, he died for me. Would God accept me? I know he's going to accept me because he sees me as justified, redeemed, just as if I've never sinned. And he sees me as he sees his son. And so these are thoughts that I never have to 
worry about again. Why? Because we have peace with God. This is the first blessing that we see from justification by faith. Also, being at peace with God is directly connected to us being justified by faith. Very close connected. You can't have one without the other. And this is the case because justification by any other way, it wouldn't bring peace at all. If justification had anything to do with us, our good works, our good deeds, us doing more good than wrong, us keeping the law, it would constantly drive us crazy. Because we'd be thinking, did I do enough? Um, well, what did I do today? Did I, did I do? It would just drive us nuts because it would have to do with us. And there's no peace in that. So peace with God is directly associated to justification by faith. And because it's all about grace through faith, not of works, nothing to do with me, then I can have peace. Because if it had anything to do with me, man, it wouldn't bring peace at all. I know what I'm capable of. I know the simplest of things that I mess up, let alone if I had to work out my justification by myself apart from the grace of God. And so the first blessing, the first benefit that we have for being justified by faith is that we have peace with God. The second blessing we see is right there in verse 2, that we have access to God. And we see that in verse 2 when the Apostle Paul says, we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. I love the New King James translation of that verse. It says, we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. We have access to the very throne room of God. What a blessing. What a benefit that only comes through justification through faith, that we have access to God. This kind of blessing and privilege would have been mind-blowing to the Jewish reader at this time or the religious zealot because they had no access to God. And so to know that they could have access, the privilege that we have as believers to come before the very throne room of God is an absolute blessing and a benefit that comes through justification of faith, a blessing that we have to take full advantage of, that we must never ever forget that the veil has been torn and that we can boldly come before the throne of grace to obtain mercy in time of need. We have access to God, the God who spoke the world into existence, the God who holds everything together, who holds the world in his hand, who's so big, mighty, and powerful. We have access to him. The question is, do we take advantage of that access? Do we enjoy coming before the throne room to pour out our heart, to talk to him, to spend time with him, to fellowship with him, to commune with him in prayer and just ministering to him, talking to him? You see, the access to God that we have through justification of faith is only a blessing if we use it, if we take full advantage of it. And so what, a, what this blessing, what Paul is saying is that we have an all-access pass to the power, to the presence, and to the grace of the holy and living God. That's amazing. All-access pass. You know, I think back to my time in the Navy, and I was uh, stationed on an aircraft carrier for a time, and it was a huge ship, and there was different compartments and different jobs and different things like that. And I was very early on in my naval career, and I remember there was times in certain areas of the ship where it said, you know, authorized personnel only. 
and I was not authorized personnel, okay? And so I would always wonder, man, what was going on in there? What were they talking about? What strategic plans were they going through? All this different stuff. I was in the Navy at a very interesting time during 9-11, and there was a lot of war and conflict that was going on, a lot of black ops. And I'm just wondering, what are they talking? I had no access. And sometimes I'd be buying, I'd be looking in there, and I knew I didn't have no authorized personnel. I wasn't qualified, you know? They let me know very early in my naval career that I was qualified to do very, very important things like swab the deck. You know, I had full control over the mops and those types of things. And, you know, that was my clearance level, if you will. I wasn't, couldn't go through there. I also think back times when I used to go to concerts. Remember concerts, those things where we'd go and listen to music back in the BC days before COVID where people could gather together and, uh, you know, and, and, you know, back when I was young, you know, there was, you know, backstage passes where you could go and you could meet the band and talk to them. And these were always hot commodities, right? You would have to have access pass. You'd have to be privileged or honored or esteemed high to get these types of things. And I think about all the times in my life as I was studying this passage that I didn't have access to things, whether it was in the Navy or it was a backstage to, to see the band. I couldn't get in. But look at me now. By the grace of God, by the justification that I've received by faith, I have access to the holy and living God. That at any time, any moment, his arms are open wide saying, come to me. He wants me to access him. He wants to talk to me. He wants to be involved with every single aspect of my life. He cares about me. He loves me. He knows the amount of hair on my head my face. And uh, you know, so it, it's, it's amazing that he says, come. And that is a blessing that comes to justification by faith, that we can access the very throne room of God. And because we have this access to him, as it says here in verse two, and we stand with him now, we can also exalt, it says, in the hope of the glory of God. Here the Apostle Paul is saying that we should have joy, it should fill our hearts, and that we should rejoice in the truth that one day not only will we behold the glory of God, the glory of the Father and the angels in heaven, not only will we behold that, but we will be partakers of that. There's a glory that we have to look forward to. Jesus said to the Father in John chapter 17, he says, Father, the glory that you have given to me, I have given to them, to us, to his children. The Apostle Paul spoke a little bit about this later on in Romans chapter 8. Let's peek there. Let's look at Romans chapter 8, verse 29 and 30. Romans 8, 29 and 30, uh, page 966, if you have the same Bible as me, says this. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also what? Glorified. It's already been done for those who are justified by faith. In God's eyes, we've already been glorified. And so there is a glory to come, not only that we would behold the glory of the Father and all of his splendor, but we too will be partakers of it. And so the first blessing that we have is that we have peace with God. 
The second blessing that we have is access to God. Let's look at verse 3 where it says this. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. And perseverance, proven character. And proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And so here in these few verses, we see the third blessing of being justified by faith. And that third blessing is that tribulations, that God uses these tribulations in our lives. God uses these tribulations in our life. That's a third blessing. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have trial. You will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world. Both non-believers and believers alike go through the tribulation, but we can have hope through them. It's a blessing to know that God will use them. And so that is an absolute blessing that God will use these tribulations. And that's why the Apostle Paul can say we exult, we have joy, we rejoice in our tribulations. The word tribulations here in the Greek, it can be translated crushings. And when we think about that, that's kind of heavy and intense that we are to exalt and to rejoice in crushings. This word crushings carries the idea, imagine an olive, and you take a bunch of olives and you use heavy rocks and heavy stones to extract the oil from these olives. That's the picture that the Apostle Paul is calling you and I to rejoice in, being crushed to the point just to extract a little bit of oil. That's what we're to rejoice in. That is what we're to exalt in. And so the natural question that one might ask or one might wonder is why? Why would we exalt or rejoice in these things? Why would we exalt in being crushed? Why would we exalt in being tribula- uh, going through tribulations being squeezed? And the answer is because it's times like this more than ever, that we have to be completely dependent upon Christ. When we're being crushed, when we're being squeezed to the point of it's extracting a little bit of oil out of an olive, we can't endure that on our own. There's nothing we can do except cling to you, and that's the place that God wants us to be. Completely dependent and reliant upon him and him alone. Now, it says rejoice, exalt, have joy. It says nothing that it's going to be fun or pleasurable or or, or desirable. It says none of those things. But the blessing is, is that God, we know God is doing something good in it. God is using it. This, This crushing, this going down that it's for our good. I got a lot of friends that that go to the gym and they work out. And they desire nothing more than to go to these classes, these intense workout sessions, literally to be crushed. They love when they get home and they wake up in the morning like, oh, I'm sore. Yes. (laughs) Not only do they enjoy these things, they actually pay money for these things. Man, I'll pay money for a good massage to not feel that way. No, they're saying, man, I'm paying hundreds of dollars a month just to go and this trainer's crushing me. Why? I counsel these people. I try to minister to these people, pour into them, but they just love it. And the reason they love it is because they understand that this temporary pain is going to be for their gain. It's going to do something in them. It's going to develop muscles and strength and 
the types of things that they desire and that they want. And so they enjoy it. They're able to look past this. And so too with us in the spiritual sense. We rejoice in these crushings and these tribulations because we know that God is going to use them. And we begin to see how God's going to use them. It says in verse 3 that through these tribulations that God brings forth perseverance. This is part of the blessing that God has for us and how he's going to use these tribulations in our lives. The word perseverance, it's translated three ways in the New Testament. Perseverance is one word. Patience is another word. And um, steadfastness is another one. They're all interchangeable. And so God uses these tribulations to bring forth steadfastness, to bring forth patience and perseverance in our lives. And all three of these words have the idea to remain under tremendous weight without uh, a weight and pressure without succumbing to it. That's what perseverance is. When we think of patience, we think of the ability to deal with annoying people or annoying habits. Like, right, you're sitting in the waiting room and somebody's chewing their gum. Lord, give me patience. That's not so much, you know, you want to do something or, no, that's not so much what it is. It's this ability where this weight, this, uh, the weight of the world is literally falling upon you and you're just holding to it. Now, the temptation in that is to give up, to let go, to get out of the way, to not endure this, to not persevere that. But God says, no, through these tribulations, this is good that you don't bail out, that you don't run, that you don't give up. And this is the good that I want to develop and bring in you. And I'm so thankful for that because my life before a Christian was filled with running and running and running. When things got difficult, when things got tough, I had no strength outside of myself. And so I would just have to run. I would have to bail rather than dealing, rather than persevering, enduring, being patient and steadfastness. But I didn't know the Lord. And so I would just run because I had no strength outside of myself. And so this is good that God brings forth. It's an amazing characteristic that God develops in us through tribulations. Now, if everything was perfect, that this wouldn't be able to be developed. If we didn't have times where we felt like everything was coming down on us, where that temptation to run, to leave, to bail out, to give up, if we didn't have that, then he couldn't develop that. And so, it's even as we saw in the book of Acts when the Apostle Paul and he told the sailors, they're getting ready to jump out of the ship. The storm is going. They're all going to die. He says, don't jump ship. There's been time and time again we could go around where we might have jumped ship. But the closer we get to the Lord, the more tribulations that he allows us to go through, guess what? We have perseverance and we won't jump ship. And so the good we see, and so it says by us, in verse 4, not giving up, not bailing out, we see that perseverance brings forth proven character. Proven character has the idea of being battle-tested uh, and proven, which is important for all believers. has the idea of metal as it's battle-tested and forged, it's made strong. It's proven itself to be tested through the fires. And this is a characteristic that we all would want. Proven character, tested more mature. It has the idea of maturity with it. And as I was think, studying this, I was thinking about um, with this characteristic. I was thinking about the greatest basketball player of all time. Let's say his name on the count of three. One, two, three. Kobe Bryant. 
A lot of debate here, I guess, all right? And I think about Kobe and how over a long career he was tested and he had to prove. I think about to his rookie season. And I'll never forget it, his rookie season, he's playing the Utah Jazz in the playoffs, and they gave Kobe Bryant the last shot of the game. Now, today we know Kobe Bryant is maybe one of the most clutch basketball players of all time, uh, one of the greatest champions of all time, but his rookie year, game on the line, they give Kobe the ball, maybe you'll remember, he airballed the final shot. Airballed it. Now, we don't remember that, but through his career being tested and, and tried time and time again, he became a champion. He grew through that to be the battle-tested champion, great champ that we know him to be. But it didn't start out like that. So too in our lives, when we see people going through trials and tribulation, we see this proven character where they don't waver. We look at that, we marvel at that. It didn't start like that. It started like Kobe, but through these trials and tribulations that God allows us to go through, we get perseverance. And through perseverance, we get proven character. And this trait has to do with us being mature. James spoke about this. He said that God allows us to go through these trials that we might be perfect, mature, complete, lacking nothing. We want maturity. We got to go through the fire. Tribulations will come. Perseverance will develop. And if we allow perseverance to develop, it will bring forth proven character. And last but not least, we see that proven character in verse 4, it brings forth hope. Now, hope is an important characteristic, especially as we go through tribulations and trials. Because if we lose hope in the midst of these things, it always ends up bad for us. This is when discouragement, depression, and begins to set in. That's when the situation deems hopeless. We've all been there before, through pain, through certain circumstances. We just feel like it's hopeless. But it's never hopeless with God because we know that he is there. But what happens is the more mature we get, the more our proven character develops, we'll always remain hopeful. And that's what we want. You see people that aren't shaken or rattled by any news. The most mature believers, you can tell them anything and everything, and they, they, they stay excited. They stay hopeful because they know that God is on the throne. Nothing shakes them. Oh, wow, God's going to do something in that. Did you hear what I said? Yes, but God's going to move. They're like, whoa. The immature believer would think, man, this person is crazy, <laughs> radical. Gee, they, they must not be here, and they got to get those hearing aids adjusted. I just told them the worst news of their life, and I said, praise the Lord, he's going to do something. But the mature person hears bad news. I said, man, there's hope. God's going to do something. It's not over. No, it's over. No, it's not over. God's going to move. God's going to be glorified. And they can remain hopeful because they are mature. God has brought them along in this process through more tribulations. Perseverance has come. Their character has been proven. And it's easy for them to remain hopeful because as they look back in their life, they've seen God's faithfulness in their life time and time again in their past. So it's easy to trust them with the future. And that's only possible through trials. Oh, I've been here before. And God has always been faithful. Even when we're faithless, he is faithful. He cannot deny himself. But when we don't have tribulations, then there could be no perseverance. There can be no proven character. It's easy to lose hope and to do things that we regret and to be wavered and tossed to and fro. Now, as we talk about 
this third blessing or benefit is that God uses these trials. We talk about these characteristics, perseverance. We talk about proven character and we talk about hope. Now, I think we would all agree these are all things that we would desire and want in our lives, right? Equally so, I think we would all agree that we wish they didn't come through tribulations, right? I think there, I wish there was another way. I wish God says, hey, I want to develop perseverance in you, proven character in you, and hope in you. And so all you have to do is to go out and lay in the sun, lay out, and just read my Bible 15 minutes a day, and it's just going to come. The rays of sun are just going to hit you. You're going to be able to work on your tan, and it's just going to be infused perseverance. Man, I'd be out there like this. I'd have my little goggles on. I'd be, man, it'd be amazing if that's the way that it happened. Not only would we have these amazing characteristics, we'd all have an amazing tan like me, right? It would, it would be amazing. But that's not the way that God desires to impart these characteristics that are so vital and important in our lives. Things like perseverance, things like proven character, things like hope. The way that God wants to bring us along in these things is through trials and tribulations. And so when God allows us to go through these things, we need to count them as joy. And we need to embrace them knowing that God has a plan for them. And that's the third blessing. Because if we don't embrace them and say, God, I know this is for good. I know this is for me. Thank you, Lord. Pray. I rejoice in this because I'm going to be able to develop things that you want in me. Instead of getting better and growing along in our Christian faith, we're going to get bitter. And when we get bitter, roots of bitterness come to, to seep into our hearts. We begin to question and ask God, why? Why did this happen? Why did you allow this? Why did you allow that? A mature person says, Lord, thank you. I rejoice in this. I know you're going to use this. Even though it's not fun, even though it's not pleasurable, I'm going to embrace the tribulations knowing the blessing in it is for my growth. And so in verse 5, he kind of begins to go on a little bit more about hope. And biblical hope is a little different than the English word hope or the hope that we know and to use the word so often. It is the absolute expectation of something good. Whenever we see biblical hope, it's the absolute expectation of something good. And that should always be the case when God's involved. That should always be the case with us as believers. Because God's plan for us is good, not for evil, to give us a what? Future and a hope. Everything God wants to do. He wants us to remain hopeful because he's in control. He's in charge. It has nothing to do with us. And as long as he's on the throne, we have what? Hope. And so it's absolute expectation of something good. Sadly, for us, it, it, the word hope, it gets skewed at times because each and every single one of us have hoped for something that didn't come to pass. We hoped this would happen. We hope that would happen. And we've been let down and we've been hurt but that has nothing to do with God and the biblical meaning of hope. This word hope, it's closely connected to a Spanish word, esperanza. And this word esperanza, it's a lot different than the English word hope. I mean, I hope, you know, the food that I cook for the Super Bowl is going to be good, right? I hope that I don't ruin this. I hope that I don't ruin that, whatever it may be. The word esperanza, it's expectantly waiting. Something's already on the way. And we have hope. God is already moving. God is already doing something. Not I hope that this happens. It's already in motion. And it just hasn't happened yet. And that's a lot different. We can grab a hold of that. Because we have hope. I know that God is moving. I know that God is moving in the, situation, the situations that are heavy upon my heart. I know that God is moving in the situations that are heavy upon your heart this morning, friends. 
God hasn't done anything yet, but he is going to do something. And it, the miracle, the prayer request, the answer, whatever you've been looking for, it may happen right now. It may happen tomorrow. It may happen next week. But the tribulation, the trial, that which is heavy upon your heart is for your good. And that's a blessing of being justified by faith. And so here the Apostle Paul lets us know that hope in God, it says in verse 5, will never disappoint. He backs up. That's a radical claim that our hope in God will never disappoint. But he backs this up and up this radical claim, and he gives us the why. Why will our hope in God, why will it never disappoint? And we see that in verse 5. It says, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit. He's already doing it. He's pouring out. We can have hope because of what he is presently and currently doing. This is the first time in the book of Romans that the Apostle Paul mentions the Holy Spirit. I love that the Holy Spirit, the first mention that the Apostle Paul has, is so closely connected to the love of God and giving us hope. It's so amazing. And so in this with the Holy Spirit, we see two things. The first thing is the Spirit is given to all believers. It says right there in verse 5, the Holy Spirit given to us. Now, there's a difference between the Holy Spirit in us and upon us. When we open up our heart and we're justified by faith, the Holy Spirit comes in us. And that's what he's saying, when the Holy Spirit is in us. So all believers have it. The second thing we see here is that God pours out his love through the Holy Spirit. That is beautiful. And that's amazing. And as I was reading this, it just gave me an extra push towards holiness, towards righteousness, knowing that God pours out his love through the Holy Spirit. I don't want to do anything to grieve the Holy Spirit. I want the Holy Spirit in my life fully so I can experience God's love fully in my life. I want God to pour out, and he pours it out through the Holy Spirit, so I don't want to quench the Spirit. Less Spirit in my life, less of a beacon to God for God to pour out his love. And so when you hear and when you talk to people, if you're here today and you're doubting, not experiencing God pouring out his love upon you, know that he does it through the Holy Spirit. So we got to do anything and everything we can to not quench the Holy Spirit. Because that is how he pours it out. Now the word pour out here, it has the idea of torrents of water, rivers of water. That's what, the way that God wants to pour out. It's not just like a little, like a little bird feeder, like a little baby drop. You're like, you know, no, it's just poured out upon you. And that's what God wants to do. God wants to pour out his love upon us. Even as he said in the book of Ephesians, he wants to pour out his love upon us that we might be able to comprehend the width, the length, the height, the depths of his love that surpasses knowledge and that we may be filled to the fullness of God. Justification by faith, it's amazing in and of itself, beautiful doctrine. But there's three blessings just that we looked at here today. The first one is that we are at peace with God. The second one, we have access to God. The third is that the trials that God allows us to go through, he will use for good. And so in closing, as we commune with the Lord today, as we take communion and partake of it this morning with our hearts filled and in awe of the goodness of God, the blessings of God, let us remember and be reminded that it's only possible through the cross of Calvary. Let's pray.